Welcome to another episode of Paul Don Power, Power System Designs podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul. Today, I've got Ray Ongren from you know, VP over at uh, National Instruments. And, uh, well, we all know what they do. They're uh, in test and design and measurement, and that's become such a major aspect to the industry. I just brought Ray to talk about the market in general. Hi, Ray. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. I mean, this is a phenomenal time to be an engineer, especially in power space, because the new technologies, the new challenges, and then you've got the Internet of Things and the smart grid. You could literally point your finger in a dozen directions, and you'd be looking at a challenge market space or an application space or a um, disruptive technology, and you all at NI and, other, of course, other development organizations have to stay on top of all of that. That's a lot of moving parts, isn't there? Yeah, it sure is. Uh, I tell you, though, you, you hit it right on the head. You know, because of the role we play in, in supplying tools to the engineers and scientists, we get to see all of these industries. The power, of course, is one of them, consumer electronics, uh, controls. And, and, and you're right, there's enormous innovation going on in all of those industries. And, in fact, I think what's really cool is that we're able to, to take some of the great innovations in, say, one in- industry and apply them to another, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's really creating a lot of value for the companies and the customers of those companies. Well, Ray, and that's a double-cusp thing, because on the one hand, we've got legacy industries that have never modernized. Like, let's say, for example, I make metal flanges. I've got a press in my shop. I've got guys feeding a metal ribbon into it. I never thought to change, and someone says, hey, if I automate it, I could cut my overhead by 100 plus percent. And now I say, how do I cut it by over 100 percent? Well, because not only will you save money, you'll improve your profitability. You know, so you got those legacy companies, but then you also have the new generation of makers, you know, electrical engineers who need a little bit of mechanical engineering knowledge to make their dreams come true, or mechanical engineers who need a little bit of um, IP in the sensor space to make their dreams come true. And so this whole conflux of new and old and trying to access these technologies, I think it's a phenomenal time to be out there. Yes. You know, I, I have kind of a two, two views of that. On the one hand, you're right. It creates enormous opportunity, uh, but it also creates a challenge uh, for every company. Uh, really what we're, I think we're really hitting on here is just the, the, the notion of how the, the digital world is really such an important part of how we do things, you know, whether we're measuring things or whether we're uh, analyzing data in our databases. Uh, the digital world is, is honest, and it keeps growing every day. And what it really has turned out is that it's made it such that every company, regardless of what you do, has to become a technology company. You have to embrace this digital revolution, whether it be in how you mine your customer's database or whether how you automate uh, the manufacturing or testing of your products, or how you add automation into your own products, which, as you just pointed out, maybe you didn't think of it in the past. So it does create enormous opportunity, but it does create a challenge, and companies are going to have to embrace that challenge if they want to continue to be competitive. Even the highest of the high-tech companies are going to be challenged at this, and in order to stay competitive, are going to have to embrace all these trends which are going to keep moving fast, as you pointed out. But it is an incredibly exciting time because of that. I agree completely. I agree completely, Ray. And that's the whole thing. And now, as a, as a maker of design tools, 
again, we come full circle back to you get in the, you must get an amazing oversight into the industry. Um, I understand you recently did some research into what's going on in the market. Do you have any of that info that you could give us? Well, yeah, you know, because of our position where we're supplying these tools to the, the engineers and scientists, you know, we receive a lot of insight and trends from the customers that we're working closely with. And that puts us in a unique position to, to try to publish some of that information, not obviously confidential information from our customers, but trying to put together what we think are the, the really critical trends that are driving innovation forward in all of our customers' activities. And we've kind of boiled those down to, you know, about four really critical technology trends that we see are going to shape the future for the next couple of years to come. And what are those four trends? Well, um, obviously one of them is the Internet of Things, uh, and, and mm-hmm. we can talk more specifically about that. Uh, that. That's a huge trend, and that's part of this digital uh transformation that's going on in all companies. Another one is the uh, continuing evolution of wireless technologies, and and 5G is specifically uh, one of those that that we see is going to have an important impact on on, uh, innovation going forward, and and particularly in the Internet of Things. Uh, You know, as far as the Internet of Things, I think how we test these these devices is going to be a a critical trend uh, that Mm -hmm. we see, and one of the things that we published about and then I think something that's really close to the uh, important point of your readers and, 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 and people who, who follow what you publish is the industrial Internet of Things, which I think is really important uh, and, and the space of a lot of innovation. And then finally, you, you had already mentioned the maker movement, uh, which is kind of more of a social movement, uh, but I think it's going to have a, uh, a pronounced impact on, on not just people, but how companies do innovation going forward. Agreed, agreed. Now, um, the fields actually are all related. The smart grid is directly related to the Internet of Things, is directly related to wireless technology, is directly related related to big data and IT. But at the core of all of that, the, the poor engineer still has to make that device that has that power consumption that complies with that standard, which fits into that module that talks to this house protocol. You know, I mean, there are, there are a lot of layers as well. That's right. Um, it is a challenging. Obviously, at NI, you know, we try to produce the kind of tools based on standard platforms that gives the engineer and scientist the ability to develop those as quickly as possible. Uh, it is a big challenge, but there are tools from, from us and other companies that I think are continuing to make that possible. And, and then as it relates to things like the Internet of Things or the Industrial Internet of Things, there's these standard bodies that has, have formed the Industrial Internet Consortium, you know, with companies like GE and Intel and Cisco and ourselves that are really working hard to create these standards, uh, whether they be for security or communication or safety, so that the engineer does have the tools that they need to build these either new systems or retrofit existing systems. And that's really a key part particularly of the industrial Internet of Things that we see as critical to being able to build the next smart grid or, you know, a a more intelligent power distribution system. Very critical technologies, indeed. Agreed, agreed. Do you have uh, any anecdotes for us, Ray? I mean, you must see so much out there, all of the companies, all the app spaces you deal with. Do you have anything that you could give us or the audience to highlight some of the things to, to point out Yes, to underscore absolutely. the points you're making. Yeah, so we work 
really closely with uh, a number of companies, and in, in particular in the industry of, of power, we work with one of the largest suppliers of of power in, in the United States, and we've just effectively completed a project with them that, that really does take advantage of the Internet of Things and, and in big data. And, and what they've done in, in one part of their business is moved from having folks in the field who are doing uh, maintenance and monitoring of their critical equipment that's, their, that's being used to distribute the power from going to where that was done 80% manually to where now it's 80% automated. So on the one hand, you think, well, that, that's great. You're obviously saving time, and you're, you're, you're having your experts now be able to work on something uh, other than just you know, driving around or walking around monitoring. But, but what's more critical in this day and age of big data, right, is because it's automated, all of this information is then being sent back into the cloud, and now we're able to process and do analytics and do significantly more predictive maintenance and other things to reduce downtime and create much greater efficiency, uh, which is, is significant in terms of the impact it's having. And, and it's really just being able to take advantage of the convergence of sensors, the networking, and the big data analytics, and it's going to have a pronounced impact. And, and that's just one of a simple set of examples where, whether again, you're, you're distributing power, building a smart grid, you're producing wind farms. All of these same basic principles apply. And, and in general, as I think you and your, your readers probably know, there's so much opportunity for this kind of innovation in all of these existing systems. Agreed. Agreed. And, well, again, that comes back to the full circle of the tremendous amount of opportunity because you, you could literally walk into any building, any home, walk down the street, throw a dart. Well, don't throw a dart. You might hurt somebody. But, you know, throw something and anything it strikes, literally anything it strikes, can be automated. Even the buildings, you, very buildings you're hitting. Yeah, you know, be, in some ways I think, when I think about the Internet of Things, I almost see it less as a technology innovation and more is it's giving a license to all of us in this space to question why is it not more efficient or why is it so difficult uh, to do that thing. And, and that's, to me, what the Internet of Things has really done is it's really pushed forward a kind of an expectation of these things shouldn't be like this. There's no reason. There can't, there can't be a technology or cost reason any longer why we can't get this done. You know, I, I heard of an example that really put in perspective this a couple of months ago at a conference on the Internet of Things. And this particular company had gotten in the business of automating um, parking lots. And hmm. to put in perspective, what, what they realized was they said, look, if you imagine if you're a hotel operator in a major city and you don't know who's reserved a room, you don't know whether they're in or out of that room, and you don't know when they're going to check out. He said, well, if you're the city manager for parking spots in a city, that's what you deal with. And by the way, 30% of all the traffic in a city is there because people can't find a parking spot. <laughs> well, you don't have to deal with that anymore. You can either use information from the parking meters that's sent into the database, or you could put sensors in the spots themselves and solve that problem overnight. Then develop an app on, the self, on your smartphone so all the people in the city 
could quickly figure out where the open parking spots were. And it, and it seems so obvious that, of course, you should do it that way, right? And that list mm-hmm. of that kind of thing just goes on and on and on and on, whether it's a, a, you know, a residential or a smart auto or it's at the city level, uh, smart you know, cities and, and smart power distribution. All of that, really, it's just like anybody who thinks we should solve this problem has the opportunity to do that now. And I think that's, again, what's so exciting is that I just don't the technology the technology are the barrier anymore. In many cases, it's the business model that's preventing uh, yeah. us from taking that next leap to change the way we're either supplying the service or delivering the service to the consumers. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Because um, we literally are at a point where, barring budget, you can actualize any realistic design that you can, you know, imagine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the the tools are there, and uh, you know, and that, and that kind of gets back to the to the maker movement, which you know is also really a social development as it, as it is a technology development. But you know, the maker movement, kind of at its core, is kind of questioning the role of how innovation is done. And you know, instead of saying, well, the way it, it's done is, you know, you go to college if you're fortunate enough, and then you get this really good education, and then if you're fortunate enough, you get to go to a big company, and if you're fortunate enough in that big company to have an idea that they actually want to commercialize, then you might be fortunate enough to actually have built something that people use. Well, the maker movement is saying, no, 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 no. Let's turn that upside down. Uh, If you've got an idea and you think you can produce it, then by all means, give it a shot. If you need some help, go to Tech Shop. And they've got the, you know, $2 million of capital equipment there where you can pretty much design and build anything. Mm-hmm. And then through all of these social networking sites and Kickstarter, you can commercialize this thing without that much money. And, and I think that, again, is, is kind of setting a tone for how we can allow this innovation to permeate, you know, lots of different places in our lives. And, and as I said earlier, I think it's going to change the way companies view it too, that they, it, it won't be as traditional and will create a kind of a more open-ended, more creative way. In fact, you know, some of our engineers at NI uh, go to Tech Shop, you know, which is a well-known makerspace, uh, to do mm-hmm. some of their work, and that's great. Agreed, agreed. Well, and that's the other thing is that in the area of design and innovation, I don't believe there is anything negative about competition or the development, the key here is there are enough ideas out there. If you will find one and make a good product from it, you're going to find an application space at a point and say, oh, there's too much going on, is denying the opportunity that you yourself could achieve. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, um, I think it just, it's just a matter of, of uh, having, a, you know, having some passion to solve a problem. And there you go. I think, I think it's uh, it's really going to result in you know a lot a lot of new companies forming, a lot of folks uh, questioning the old models, particularly even for how education is delivered. Um, um, and I, yeah, I, I look forward to it. I, I think it's it's uh, it's going to create a lot of economic value uh, for a lot more people. 
Agreed, agreed, agreed. And now in the area of uh, NI's economic value, I'll give you an opportunity to give us a quick pitch on some of your latest tools that you can you have to uh, help the community achieve these things. Well, we've stayed committed uh, to what we call a platform-based approach. Uh, it's a, a really highly integrated hardware and software tools, you know, to to design, prototype, and test these uh, electronic systems um, that that are in, you know, if you walk or I mean, if you talk or fly or drive in it, somebody's using our tools to design and test those things. So uh, we think that you know, with this evolving Internet of Things, and and the way that, that you have to build these things in knowing that the standards are going to change, knowing that there's going to be demands for better communication, uh, better wireless communication, better sensor connectivity, that a, a platform-based approach is really the only sure way that you can design this thing knowing that in a couple of years you'll be able to adapt it, uh, update it with software-based updates, uh, whether it, again, is a is a embedded system or a test system. We think that's the best way to do it. That, and that's our approach in developing our tool sets for these folks that are, that are building these things. And, and uh, like I said, I think in all industries, this is going to pay big dividends. And I think you'll see this type of approach uh, permeating, again, whether it's, you know, your old-fashioned steel mill that you, you mentioned or one of the leading, you know, designers of, of uh, aircraft in the world. I think everybody's going to move to this. Agreed, agreed. Now, Ray, I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word in my podcast to make sure we didn't miss anything. And, and also, it's, I talk enough as it is. It's good to give uh, you the last word. It could be on uh, more on the company or the market space or just a tip for the audience. But, Ray, the floor is yours. Well, I think the uh, to me what's what's important is – as I said, with the, the kind of the internet and maker space, is that for folks to question and not be satisfied with anything in their life that's not convenient uh, or anything that doesn't make sense, uh, because I think the possibilities to fix it and make it better are now there, and the economic opportunity to commercialize that, whether you're doing your own thing or whether you're within a company, are much greater than they've ever been. Well, you know, that's a really good thing to say because I agree with you preaching to the choir there. That's one of the beautiful things about our spaces. As we, well, we've touched on it a hundred times during this conversation is the tremendous number of things we can create to solve the problems and issues and applications that exist. So thanks a lot for coming on the show, Ray. And I am going to bring you back on because I love chatting with you and get some more uh, insight in what's going on in the space maybe in another couple of months or so. How's that sound? Sounds great, Alex. I really enjoyed being on with you. Oh, excellent, and we loved having you here. And I also want to tell the audience uh, my thanks, because obviously we wouldn't be here without them, and I hope you all tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Don Power. Have a great day. <laughs>